Welcome, everybody, to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 58. I'm your pal, Val. With me is the amazing Jason. Jason, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm ready to talk about some things that we opened over the past few days and kind of go over uh, some indie stuff this week. So I'm ready. I'm super excited. And then always the man, the myth, the legend, King NASCAR. Logan, how are you? I'm fine, man. Uh, I really enjoyed the races this weekend, and I'm glad we're going to get to talk about it. And then what? We're going to have an extra guest here. We have Mr. Ken, Beans Ball Car Blog. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's good to be back with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, super excited to have you on as well as the, the rest of the gang. And uh, for everybody new, this is NASCAR Radio, where trading cards and racing meet. we got a big, great show today. We're going to talk about Xfinity, winners, highest finishing rookies, cup, as well as the Indy race that was in uh, the Indy track, So, which was interesting. So uh, as well as having Mr. Ken here on, we're talking about Indy card trading card sets and then we're going to talk about chronicles as well so got a jam-packed show today so uh jumping right into it the camping world truck series they were off last week uh they're going to start the playoffs this week friday august 20th that is going to be the raceway 200 presents presented by ck power and at the Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. That's in Madison, Illinois. Races at 9 p.m. on Friday. Stages are 55, 110, 160 laps for uh, 200 miles. So it's going to be interesting to uh, you know get that playoff started for them. So uh, one note, Carson Huckavar. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, he's actually he's resigned next year. I don't know if you guys saw that for running full time for Nice Motorsports. He is one of the two rookies in uh, the playoffs this year in truck. So uh, Chandler Smith is the other rookie. Then let's jump over to Xfinity. That was race number twenty one. That was the eighteenth annual Pennzoil one fifty at the Brickyard. That was Saturday, August fourteenth at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Austin Sindrick was the winner of that race. Highest finishing rookie was Ty Gibbs, number 19, position 19. So uh, rookies never do <laughs> seem to do well on the road courses, but Austin Sindrick, he just he looks like he's the man to beat in Xfinity this year with five wins, I believe, already. Yep. Yeah, I think he's going to do uh, – he'll be in the final four for sure. Yeah, he's putting on clinic. And then we've talked about Austin Sindrick's cards before. Uh, he's in 2018. Uh, he's in a 2018 Donner sets, the Phenoms insert set. Uh, he has base in the 2018 Panini certified with all the different uh, parallels, also with the Mirror Gold parallels. He's in Prism. His autographs are in Prism, the scripted signatures. And uh, he's also in 2018 Victory Lane. So when you're looking for those Haley Deegans, uh, make sure you're looking for card number 33 as well. Austin Cindric and all the parallels there as well. Printing, printing plates and then Victory Lane signature. So uh, don't forget Austin Cindric is also moving up to cup level next year, filling in, taking Brad Kislowski's place at Penske. So uh, he's moving to a kind of a powerhouse team. So be look on, be on the lookout for his cards now. So, 
Yeah, that number two car in Cup is is always been stout, yeah, especially since Rusty Wallace has had it since the uh, mid to late nineties and into, into the early two thousands. Then Brad took over, and uh, it's it's a it's a heck of a ride. So there's no reason if he's got the talent, there's no reason he shouldn't do well. Yeah, I think he just maybe I don't know if he's gonna have the same the wins that he has in the Xfinity level, level, but he should do pretty well, I would think, in that uh, Penske equipment. So. Agreed. And then our highest finishing rookie, Ty Gibbs. We <laughs> talked about mm-hmm. him quite a bit this year. That kid's finishing either win- winning the races or highest finishing rookie. So uh, we've talked about his cards. Uh, basically, 2020 Chronicles. He's in a lot of the uh, subsets or in the different series. And then also um, Spectra. And then he has autographs in Prism. And those are absolutely crazy high right now. I think if you missed the Ty Gibbs boat uh, or you, you try to find somebody who's got some that uh, maybe they don't know what they have or don't, they're not pricing in his future wins or whatever, but be on the lookout for Ty Gibbs. And then we also talked last week about the possibilities of maybe uh, the 2021s, a uh, little sneaky. He doesn't have that many cards this year so far, so... Uh, there might be some plays there as well. Yeah, they, they may load him up in prison. Well, I guess we'll see, you know, here in a few months. Yeah, I, I think he's probably going to be in prison. Uh, then all the parallels. I'd be curious to see how many more parallels, color combinations. Uh, I think, Logan, you said uh, when you close your eyes real tight and then open your eyes, that, that's some of the uh, different colors that uh, they're they're thinking of there for the parallels. Yeah, that yeah. When you close your eyes and you rub them real hard and you see all the sparkly stuff and see all the different colors and all the things, that that's how they're making prism cards right now. <laughs> so yeah, but that'd be pretty cool though. Ty Gibbs prism card. So of course he's in some of the shiny stuff last year in uh, Chronicles with I think it was Crusades and um, Phoenix and some of the other ones. So, but moving on. Next race, number 22, the new Holland 250 at Michigan International Speedway. That's it. Uh, Saturday, August 21st at 3.30 p.m. Stages are 30, 60, 125 laps for 250 miles. Uh, also note our, um, you know, we've been pulling for Josh Berry. JR Motorsports has named him to drive full-time in NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, beginning in 2022. Yeah, I'm real happy about that. I like Josh Berry. He's a he's a great talent. Even even though he's an older he's older, but still, he's he's finally found him a good ride. Yeah, and he has cards finally, or newer cards, I should say, in Chronicles this year. Ken, we had talked about him. His rookie cards are in 2013, and uh, that's all he has. So he's been actually doing pretty good this year. Probably been overshadowed by Ty Gibbs, but uh, he has been running a full schedule. But he's been doing pretty good yeah and he won one race so i mean the, in, in the limited schedule that he had he's done very well and proven himself so he's he's well deserving of the of his full-time ride next year definitely and then moving over to cup that was the 28th annual verizon 200 at the brickyard that was sunday august 15th at indianapolis motor speedway road course that was an interesting race i think that was a race of attrition there and the la- I guess the the last one standing or from the front of the pack was AJ Almondinger. Yeah, <laughs> the dinger. 
Yeah, that I thought that was you know Denny Hamlet. Uh, so people who didn't watch the race, uh, they had issues with the I guess I don't know I call them turtles because that's what they were calling them in Charlotte uh, at the Roval. Uh, some of the curbing had come up and just people were hopping on uh, do, pulling a Dukes of Hazard all four wheels off off uh, off the air and um, ripping cars apart and. At the end there, at the they actually had the red flag the race, and um, Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe were fighting it out, and they ended up uh, kind of taking each other out. And uh, A.J. Armendinger survived it and, and got his uh, first cup win. Yeah, those last five laps, they had two red flags within those last five laps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that curbing in turn six uh it kept coming up they kept trying to fix it it kept coming up and it finally just gave way uh those splitters are so low to the ground and they were just hooking underneath of that that metal curbing and it finally just tore it up and that last with like five laps to go when they had the big wreck where the 24 and the the 22 and all the other cars were spinning out. I thought for sure that was like oil or something on the track, the way they were all just spinning out into the grass, but it turned out to be that curbing. So they red flagged it and pulled that curbing up. And uh, it was a good thing they did it because that curbing was just totally, totally messed up. They still had that big turtle there, that, that big speed bump that was launching people into the air with all four wheels. But, uh, it, it was crazy. And then when they had the last restart, uh, <laughs> you know, Denny Hamlin leaned on Chase Briscoe. He went through the grass, cut it short, and kind of gave the position back. And for whatever reason, he thought that he wasn't going to get penalized. But anytime you cut the track short like that in NASCAR, you're going to get penalized. And when he spun out Denny Hamlin, oh, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was really PO'd about it. And I thought for sure after the race we were going to see a big fight, but that never materialized. Now they had some they had some words uh, for a few minutes, but I think um, when they pulled that curbing out and they restarted, you know those drivers were not familiar with going through that turn without that uh, curbing there. And then that uh, I think it was Michael McDowell launched in the, in the air there. Uh, so it was <laughs> very interesting, and I don't know how many millions of dollars of cars got tore up because of that, but. Um, I was happy to see that for AJ uh, Amendinger and that they are the second fastest new team to win a race. The first was Hendrick with Jeff Bodine. And I think um, uh, is a Colic racing that uh, he's running for. Yeah. Uh, Colic yep. racing. Yeah. So, uh, but with that win, because he's not running full-time in cup, he is part-time in cup and full-time in Xfinity, that that win really does not mess up the playoff standings because that could have been uh, very interesting for the playoff results. So so I wanted yeah. to ask you guys something. So you guys know I haven't really been a – I haven't watched a lot of NASCAR in probably the last 15-ish years. I watch more open wheel. Have you guys ever seen anything like that with what happened with that curbing before? I have never seen anything like that. I didn't watch the race. I watched the highlights and I texted Val. I'm like, this is gnarly, man. I I don't know what the hell's going on. You just, they literally look like they were trying to break on ice and you were losing like six cars at a time. I've, I've never seen anything like it. I just wondered if you guys had, and I know that the car, that the tracks typically that NASCAR has historically run on road courses are full-time road courses. 
So they probably, you know, the stuff's not temporary. It's permanent. But I was just curious. I'd never seen anything like it. No, my, my son called me during the race. He goes, this is the craziest crap I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like that. And he's been watching NASCAR his whole life. And, uh, and I agreed with him. It was, it was, that was some of the, like you said, it was gnarly. It was some of the craziest driving or, you know, crazy, crazy. It's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was going to say that it reminds me, it's not the same thing, but when they put the dirt down on Bristol where they have new problems that maybe they, it's not tried and true to, and to your point where, you know, they're trying something new and where they go to the road courses and they're all the time. And, and so with Bristol, I think they had trouble with the rain and, and the having all that mud uh, clay on, on Bl Bristol. And, and then so onto this thing here, they, yeah, I was going to say that they have issues at the first roval. I can't remember if they did or not, but it doesn't happen often. So I think that I need to start watching. I know that uh, Cup is going to more uh, road races, and I think I, I like that. I think I need to go to that because, you know, we talked beforehand, and, you know, you kind of know about the time I left. Well, another part of the reason I left, I think, is because they, they went to all these damn cookie-cutter uh, tracks, and got, you know, we're getting rid of the short tracks and this is like short track racing. You know, it's close, it's tight, there's action. Granted, I get that I was only watching the highlights. So most of what I saw was restarts, but in general, you know, it's not, it's, uh, it's pretty fun, enjoyable racing. Cause I have seen, a, I think I've seen a couple of road races over the last couple of years. I really enjoyed it as somebody that's not a NASCAR fan and has no, no skin in the game. I just enjoyed watching it for what it was. Yeah, they've added a lot more road courses uh, to the schedule. I think there's one more actually in the playoffs. I think that's the Roval. And I think they're either seven or nine total road courses over the course of the season now. So as opposed to maybe the two or three before. So they're definitely, NASCAR is definitely shaking up the schedule and bringing in different tracks, moving stuff around. Uh, not to go off subject, but the, the tracks were public companies and then they've turned them back into private companies. I think part of it was that, you know, they can move around dates and, and move stuff around without having to worry about the shareholders or whatever. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was definitely very interesting. So. Yeah. Um, going back to AJ Allmendinger and, and colleague racing winning that race. Uh, here's an interesting statistic for you guys. You know, they started the charter system in 2015 and that is the first non-charter team to win a cup race. Oh, I, they're not a charter. I thought they were. No, they don't have a charter. Wow. So that's an interesting statistic for you. Very interesting. Now you can all sleep better tonight. I will. Uh, AJ Amendinger's cards. I think we have talked about him before in the Xfinity series, but uh, 2007 are his rookie cards. Uh, he's in Press Pass Premium, Press Pass Stealth. Uh, the parallels there. There's a Chrome exclusive. I like those stealth Chromes. Uh, and the exclusive is numbered to 99 and the Chrome Platinum number to 25. There's also Press Pass VIP with the different parallels, rookie stripes, and rookie stripes autographs. Those are pretty cool. I think I have that little piece of yellow tape on it. Mm -hmm. The Press Pass signings. And the, I guess you want to call it the base or whatever, and then blue and gold versions of the signings. He's also in 2007 tracks 
there's the gold Hallfoil red and the eBay preview and then the 2007 wheels American Thunder with autographs number to 345 and then there's a dinger version number to 50 so that'd be pretty cool and then autograph hat insert in instant winter card cool threads and single hat so 2007 AJ Amendinger cards yeah, there's no shortage of rookie cards there for him. Yeah, back when Press Pass had Stealth VIP and the and Premium going, and American and Wheels American Thunder, American Thunder. Highest finishing rookie was Chase Briscoe at position 26, and there's only two drivers going for rookie of the year candidates in Cup Series: Anthony Alfredo and Chase Briscoe. We talked about Chase Briscoe, uh, I think it was last week, 2018. Uh, certified yeah. for him. So that was race number 24, playoff start race 27. Next race, number 25, the Fire Keepers Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway. That is Sunday, August 22nd, 3 p.m. Eastern. Stages are 60, 120, 200 laps for 400 miles. And then with uh, that win, like I said, it doesn't really shake up the playoff standings. Uh, one... Note that we've been talking about is Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, both from Richard Childress Racing, and they kind of swap spots where Tyler Reddick now is in, plus 28, and Austin Dillon is uh, minus 28. So one of those guys is going to possibly lose out unless we have another winner, uh, not one of the current higher up. So Yeah, and I think Denny Hamlin also locked his position in. So really now – it's just positions 15 and 16 now that we're, we're concerned about because we can only have two more winners. And Den, since Denny Hamlin is the highest non, non-winner, he, he's locked in now. Correct. And then moving over to Indy, the NTT IndyCar Series. Uh, that was race number 12 of 12. I don't know if that's the whole season or not, but that was Saturday, August 14th. So I guess that was a doubleheader on Saturday. That is definitely not the season finale. No. So, but that's, uh, I guess, for this in NTT IndyCar Series. So, our winner was Will Power. Will Power. Will Power, yes. Everybody has Will Power. Some more than others. Yes. I missed that one, but uh, he led 56 laps, so. Yeah, I watched the highlights. I actually had, uh, I, I was, uh, went down to visit some wife's family that was in from out of state, so I didn't actually get a chance to watch it. But, yeah, I did. I did go through the highlights. It left a bit to be desired. It didn't seem like it was very exciting, but it did seem like power dominated it. And then another of the uh, the Formula One cast-offs that continues to be making its way over to IndyCar, Roman Grosjean finished second. That was definitely his uh, best finish of this season. Um, like I said, the former F1 driver, and then a couple of Americans after that, Colton Herta and Alexander Rossi. Yeah, and then you've got Patricio Award, who... He's, he's from Mexico, but he has an Irish name. <laughs> and, and it's O Ward, so I kind of like that. <laughs> and, and, and spent a lot of his time growing up in Texas, by the way. Yeah, so there you go, man. He's he's from all over the place. He's very eclectic. Yes. And very good. And very good. And then uh, Will Power, his rookie cards. Um, so the trading card database has him down as 2006, the Port, Portland Grand Prix. Uh, I'm not sure which card that is, but uh, 2008 Indianapolis 500. 
I believe that might be the sheet that you redeem. Well, when you buy the program at the race, you can redeem for an uncut sheet of cards. Then listed as 2012 Press Pass Legends. Those are all autographs. Uh, and then 2013 Press Pass Legends. He has a base card number 32 autographs as well. And then parallels of that card number 32, blue, gold, number 149, hollow foil to seal number 10, melding foil, which is a serial number to one, pieces of history, memorabilia, press pass plates, black, cayenne, magenta, yellow, and uh, there's also a red version of that number two, number number 99. Yeah, those couple of seasons, uh, press pass led, press pass put, it was the uh, Ganassi and the Penske drivers, I noticed, seems to be what it was into the set. Both of those teams also having connections with NASCAR, but they did put the uh, IndyCar drivers in there. Um, Dario Franchitti was in there, who obviously had previously had NASCAR cards from his one season there. Um, but Scott Dixon was in there in there somewhere, and a couple other guys um, having a having a brain fart at the moment, but... I thought it was really cool they did that. I really wish Panini would somehow find a way to get some of these guys, you know, get some of these guys over in there since we haven't had an IndyCar trading set since 2007. Yeah, it'd be nice to uh, bring some of these other drivers in. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe fight off some of the F1 that, uh, you know, Tops has been pushing out uh, for Panini maybe to do a, a set like that or bring them in. Uh, as a subset or something else, maybe to Dunruss or something like that. So it'd be yeah. cool. And I mean, you're get, we seem to be seeing a little bit more crossover in the two series lately. Um, I, you know, I noticed on the Bush, you know, or the, I'm sorry, the Xfinity series, James Davidson ran in this race. And then I believe Sage Karam ran in this race, who have both run IndyCar and Indy 500 in the past. Um, you know, for so long, it seemed like there was none of that. Now there seems to be just a little bit of going back and forth. And there seems to be a little cooperation you know, between the two, I mean, when was the last time these two ran at the same place in the same weekend? That was so, really cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I just, like I said, I just, I happened to miss out um, on actually seeing the races. But, you know, as an IndyCar guy, you know, I think it's good. I think it's good for, I think it's good for both parties. You know, Exactly. And you can put a Jimmy Johnson in there as Indy. Yeah. Although he hasn't run the 500 yet. We'll see. He didn't run it this year. I think oh, he's. He, he might be working on uh, some more uh, that, that's practice. What I've heard. That's what I've heard. Uh, but I was also going to say that Will uh, Will Power, almost said Will Clark, <laughs> Will Power was in the 2020 Goodwin, Upper Deck Goodwin Champions set, and uh, previously uh, Graham Ray Hall and Marco Andretti have. So um, there's been a little bit of the IndyCar flavor over in the Upper Deck brand, even though Panini doesn't do it. and. Tops hasn't had anybody in Ginter. The only one I can think of was years ago, and that was Mario Andretti was in there. Um, but obviously, he was long retired by that point. Yeah, I saw the Allen and Ginter checklist release, and I was looking at it to see if um, if there were any uh, racing drivers in there. So listeners there can't go. see it, but <laughs> Logan's uh, holding up uh, his redemption, looks like, for a willpower autograph. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that, Val, when we went to the Press Pass office that year and got the those boxes of uh, total memorabilia from them. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, I, I had I brought my I didn't know I still had one left, but I had a couple redemptions 
out of uh, Legends and got them redeemed there. And I think I got the number one out of however many it was, out of 50 or whatever it was from them. But, uh, yeah, he had redemptions that year in 2012. And, unfortunately, I still have one that will never be redeemed. <laughs> that's, a, that's an extremely cool and random random thing that would be a, That's an awesome thing to have in your collection. It's so random. <laughs> yeah, so, so that is um, the indie race. And speaking of indie, I guess we'll move over to the next segment, indie car trading card sets. There are a few different sets. There's some older sets. The ones that I'm familiar with, uh, Ken, that I've actually run into with the Avalon Hill, uh, only because in my early earlier years trying to learn everything I could about NASCAR, NASCAR trading card sets. And one of the drivers that I kind of liked, gone way before, uh, too early, is Tim Richmond. And I noticed on the Beckett annual that he's in the 1980 Avalon Hill set. So the Avalon Hill was an IndyCar racing game and that they had cards in there. Uh, however, they finished the Indy 500 race. Tim Richmond, for example, was, I think it was position nine. He was the like rookie of the year uh, for the Indy race. And so he had a card in that set. They are perforated and folded in sheets in there as well as little cars and some other stuff. So uh, I know they made sets. I think it was 1979 was the first year and they made sets up to 86. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, So I was doing a little research on these. So I have the first set. I have the – so the 1979 set, it has a 1979 copyright on it, but it's actually the cards – based on the 1978 race. So that I found interesting because then I was on trading card database and I took a look and there is uh, the gallery is in there for the 82 set, but it's listed as it's the 82 race. And it also has the copyright from the same year. I thought the copyrights were all off by a year, but maybe it was just that first one. And you brought up a good point. I looked at that 80 set. The 80 set is the only one that I could find that Beckett actually lists. And I bet you it is because of that Tim Richmond. The light <laughs> just is. went on. That light just went on as you were saying that. Yeah, they don't even acknowledge the 78, 82, 84, 86 sets. Um, so, yeah, it definitely has, it has to be because of that, that Tim Richmond card. Yeah, which I don't understand, but um, that's how I kind of found my way to it. Uh, and they're little – I don't say the odd size are a little larger than a normal trading card. Uh, I've never gotten any of these graded just because of the perforation and the way they handle uh, grading perforated cards, but they are pretty cool. Uh, you can pick them up. They're all, they're all different prices and it all depends. They're, they're usually pretty pricey. So I got the seven, whatever you want to call it, 78, 79 set. I got it earlier this year. I had known about these for a few years. You had mentioned these to me a few years ago. And then I was talking with, uh, you know, we know Mike Thompson, the IndyCar collector, and he was telling me a little bit about them. So I was able to find one. Um, I think I paid about 60 bucks delivered from Canada for the entire game. Um, but, yeah, usually when they come on, they're usually asking around $100. If I find them cheaper than that, the ones I need. I definitely want to pick those up. And you were talking about the size of the card. So what I have them in is the four pocket pages is what I have my set in. Now, yeah, they look a little small in there, 
but that's definitely the the best one. But they're a little too wide to fit in like your card savers, too. So my T thirty six cards, I put in a card saver and then I put them in a four page sheet. These ones just go straight in the four page sheet. And I think so. Here, here you go. I have a unopened nineteen eighty set that I picked up numerous years ago, and then I did pick up a nineteen eighty set opened. And I think they were perforated, but I broke them down into strips, and they're actually in like in a larger top loader that would hold, mm. um, uh, like the tall top loaders. Yeah, that's okay. four or five inches by mm-hmm. seven inches or something like that. And that's kind of where I left them for now, I guess, to figure out what to do. But I'll have to look at the uh, four sheets or whatever, four pocket yeah. sheets. Mine was, mine was an open game, and, you know, they were already taken apart. And it looks like somebody marked on them. They, some of them have, like, what looks to be, like, some blue permanent marker on them. But, you know, it is what it is. It's better to, in my opinion, it's better to have slightly, slightly less than ideal than to not have it all. And I think I have a 79 set somewhere. And because I have access to, I guess, to more than NASCAR guys than any, any guys, but this would be a good set to try to get autographed uh, for those folks that are, that are still with us. So, yeah. And there's probably a decent amount, you know, a decent amount of them that are still with us. Um, Johnny Rutherford. I mean, I know he signs through the mail. He's in the set. Um, Good luck getting Mario Andretti, but if you can meet him in person, he'll sign it for you. Um, I guess he doesn't sign through the mail anymore. They say he does, but I've sent a couple off to him. I've sent a couple off to Michael. Nah, I got nothing back. Because usually um, I think when I did it one time, it took a year. That's what it seemed to be. It was like one per year. Um, but again, you know, I've sent a couple off and never gotten anything back. So, But yeah, there are some of them. Uh, Janet Guthrie is in the first set. You know, and I mentioned Rutherford. I mean, he ran a little bit. Uh, he ran a little bit of NASCAR, and I believe he had a couple of wins, if I remember correctly. I might be off base there, but obviously Mario Andretti, you know, ran NASCAR, won the five hundred. So there are, you know, if you you, you were AJ. getting toward, AJ, you were getting toward the end of the time where guys were, and ladies, I guess, were running multiple series. So there are some of those. Uh, that are later in their career that had run in NASCAR at some point. That might be about it, though, off the top of my head. Um, The Guthrie might be interesting because I think they're working on a movie about her life. So I think if it's Hillary Swank or somebody is going to be playing her. That definitely rings a bell now that you say it. Uh, And then also the A&S racing set, which I call PPG. I don't know why Trading Card Database calls it A&S, but... A&S is the actual, like, producer ppg was the sponsor of the series at that point i believe okay so it was the ppg series you know and then they had pep boys later and verizon and izod you know you know how it is um but yeah a and s was the one that did that um so though they weren't in pack form i would say those are probably the first mainstream indie car related cards because we you know we talked about the avalon hill well those were in a game that was a board game that was associated with that you had things like t36 has some guys that drove in the 500 but it has no real correlation to the 500 it actually came out the year of the first 500 and mentions the vanderbilt cup which was kind of the predecessor to the 500 um and then you have like the 
54 Stark and Wetzel. Uh, you have the 70s Marhofer sets, but those are those were regional issues, food issues. So those don't even really count. But I think these uh, these ANS PPG sets are definitely the first, even though they didn't come in pack form. They were only done in box set form. Definitely the uh, first mainstream. And do you have all those, Val? I have uh, actually. I guess it was a year or two ago. I picked up uh, some eighty threes. I think it was an eighty fours. I was looking for the Chip Canassies, and they were like two dollars at a piece at the time. And I think the guy actually gave gave me extra stuff because I bought it was like I don't know if it was ten or fifteen of them uh, for the eighty threes and eighty fours, and you know sent a message, hey, if you want any more, <laughs> uh, let me know whatever it was. So right before the pandemic or right after the pandemic, I opened them all up looking for um, looking for centered Chip Canassies. Uh, actually, a uh, quick story is when. I went to the media day um, for NASCAR and they have all the drivers come around and they visit all the different media outlets. And this is done at the Charlotte convention center. It's public and you can just kind of stand in the middle and they basically run past, you know, so that's where I kind of get some of my autographs, but long story short is um, Kyle Larson. When I saw him, I gave him one of Chip Canassi's uh, rookie cards uh, to, to have or whatever. So when I saw Ryan Blaney, I gave him a card of his dad as well from the uh, world of outlaws mm. thought he, uh, he, which he really enjoyed. So, uh, and then uh, Kyle really was interested in the chip canals. He turned it over. I was reading the back about his indie card days, whatever. So, um, but yeah, I was getting uh, some of those PPGs. And then, uh, you know, recently I uh, acquired some PPGs, as you know, <laughs> Uh, some 80, what was it, 83, or maybe it was, I know it was 85, 86, 87. I th yeah, I think, uh, you got, I, th I think you're missing like the 84 from that. I wasn't sure okay. if you had that, but it's, you were talking about, um, autographs with the Avalon Hills. These are also very good ones for autographs. Um, a nice white border, a lot of light colors. And then, cause we're talking 80 stuff is any of the guys, you know, here, no 80 stuff non-gloss in general um you know maybe some of the baseball cards had a little bit of gloss but they're really good they're really good for uh, autographs and a lot of those uh guys will i will say guys there because i don't know that there were any ladies in there at that time um so. but we'll uh we'll definitely sign through the mail too if that's if that's your thing yeah i think a black or blue sharpies would look fantastic on that those white borders and those light pictures so yeah i have uh i got i sent to i know from those some of those sets i got uh bill Alsop, who's no longer with us and then uh gordon johncock who was a multiple time indy 500 champion he will sign through the mail as well johnny rutherford uh multiple time 500 champion will sign through the mail so yeah you, you're talking about rutherford he did win a nascar race but it's it's kind of funny what he did win he won a daytona qualifying race back when those actually when those actually counted as towards your win total it's not like they you know, like it is now where it's it's like a non-points race but back then it was considered a points race and it goes into your official total so it was 1963 daytona qualifying race that he won yeah i didn't remember that backstory i thought i'd seen he had won a race so you know so 
there's still, you know, for the people that are listening to for the NASCAR stuff and don't really give a damn about what I'm saying, I, I try to tie it back to you guys just a little bit. Well, I appreciate it. They're, they're pretty, they're, well, I don't say they're kind of reasonable in price. Like I said, it's a box set. Uh, you know, Chip Ganassi, of course, Mario Andretti, you can't go wrong. Uh, Michael Andretti is in there. Johnny Rutherford, Al Unser, you know, that, there's a good selection of, of drivers. So. Al Unser signs through the mail, too, through their uh, museum, their museum in Albuquerque. Uh, Bobby did, too. Obviously, he's no longer with us. Um, but Al, again, multi-time, I think, did he win four? I think four. Al won four, yeah. So, you know. Tied for the most Indy 500 wins, and he will sign through the mail. That's awesome. So I'm not sure what those PPG sets are going for nowadays, but it's one of those things. Once you got as many of them as we do, you're not real worried about what they're going for anymore. No, correct. <laughs> uh, so, you know the, the centering is is tough on them if you're trying to grade a set. So Val, uh, you remember 2011, right? Yes, yes, going, 2011. Going to the Indy 500. Yes. And how we found, we just somehow weirdly found, magically found our way on the pit road and literally in the middle of all the drivers and their wives and we're getting autographs from just about everybody. I don't, we were I don't, in the I don't know right how we place. Did we drove into the infield. I think we were, there was going to be the, either we were looking for the memorabilia show. Uh, and actually, uh, just side note last weekend, they had the memorabilia indie memorabilia show at the track. So that is, uh, if you're an indie guy the, and you're there, definitely hit that up. Those are awesome. And actually, uh, so back in 2011, I had read somewhere that the indie memorabilia show was the second longest show behind the national. So me and Logan decided we were going to go to Indy for that because Andy Granatelli always showed up to that show. Uh, but that, that was an, like an anniversary, and they ep- ended up having two shows, the one that was they always had, and then he started this new one at the track. And I think me and Logan were scouting it out, and so we were in the infield. We were walking around. We're right there at Gasoline Alley. We made some turns here and there, and I guess we see all these people, and we look and we see all these fans in the stands, and we're right there on Pitt Road, and this ceremony, whatever, I guess, that had all these drivers there was over. And basically, me and Logan are sitting there, are standing there, and then everybody starts coming to us. Al Unser, uh, everybody, Danica Patrick, Mario, um, Mario and Andy Granatelli. So, you know, I had some 86 sports star photographics with me. So I ended up getting a few autographs there. Uh, I did give up and seeing Andy Granatelli and talking to him. I did have his book. I think I had his book, Mr. 500, and wanted to talk to him about the STPs. But um, didn't get to, thought I'd always, I would talk to him the next day at the show which he never showed up. He actually ended up going to the newer show. And I think that other show that Logan, that we used to go to is now uh, done. And then they go to the other shows. but yeah, that was really weird. We were just walking around, took a couple turns right there. And then all of a sudden we're in the middle of everything. Yeah. It was that, I, I still to this day have no idea how we did that. 
because we saw that there was another entrance and they were like telling people they couldn't come in. And then we just literally walked in. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hearing your guys' story, just helpful hint for anybody that's listening. If you ever want to go to Indy during May and you want to get autographs, pay for a bat, a pit and garage pass and kind of do more what, uh, Val and Logan did and you want to meet them in that atmosphere they do the signings like Legends Day signings and stuff but I mean those lines I mean you're talking like lines at the National where I heard people at the National waited on Barry Sanders for like three or four hours and that's I mean it's that's more than you would wait on there because but still you're 150th in line but if you're in the pits and garage or garage area and you know who you're looking for um a lot of times you can find those. I feel like I heard uh, Val telling a story. Oh, no, it was uh, one of the guys that I follow on YouTube. He got autographs this weekend, and there was a guy that wasn't racing, but he had cards, and the, he said that the uh, the kids seemed surprised anybody even knew who he was when he asked for his autograph. So, yeah, if you just kind of know what you're looking for, that's a much better way to go about that. So there you go, guys, if you ever go back for Indy. Yeah, if you, you know, that's one thing I love about cars, right? You're looking at their face all the time and, um, you know, seeing these NASCAR drivers now without their uniforms on, I can, you know, I can pick them out, um, you know, by their face. So, and, and of course, Mario and, and Alan and these guys, you know, you can pick out um, and Danica. Uh, and actually, you know, we saw, we saw her and then like she disappeared. And so we were talking to somebody else there, I guess, getting autographs. And he said, uh, this is back from 2011. What she would do is she would flip her hair up underneath her hat and then, um, which would totally change kind of how she looked. And she basically would go through, uh, not recognize her. Yeah. She, she doesn't seem to like the people. <laughs> well, no. I'll leave it. I, I agree with that. She, uh, she, she was, she was mean. I won't say she was mean, but she was not nice to me in Charlotte several years ago. <laughs> that was me, for the autograph signing. Yeah. Yeah. Let me show you my shocked face on that one. <laughs> so, but the IndyCar, um, you know, kind of like the NASCAR, the prices aren't um, too bad. Uh, the F1 right now is just, I think is out, out of sight. Um, but, you know, Mario, I think some early, early Mario stuff is pricey. But again, these PPG sets, uh, A&S sets, uh, Avalon Hill aren't that bad um, considering, you know, kind of what you're getting, right? I think that uh, A&S set is like 50-something cards. Yeah, I think the first four, like 50, 50, 51, and then the last one is much smaller. It's like 25 or 30. I feel like when I was looking for them, a few months ago, I mean, you should be able to find the sets for roughly $10 delivered. Um, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes you may find one a little cheaper, but they don't, some of them, there are some of them that are definitely appear to have a, either a smaller supply or a smaller availability. And a lot of these kind of run into that where you, you, you may not necessarily be able to just go on eBay whenever you want and find one. Um, they shouldn't be too terribly expensive when you do. Again, the Avalon Hill is probably going to be more expensive because um, I think it also it kind of crosses genres a little bit into like board game collectors and things like that. So it's it's going to be much more pricey. But yeah, the A and S in a lot of cases it's just a matter of you know 
there's not always a, a readily available supply for what they should be going for, but 10 bucks or less, I mean, for, you know, getting yourself a Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt, you know, Rutherford, those kind of guys. Not bad. Not bad at all. I think it's, you know, one of the reasons why I picked them up for that price. You can't beat it. Yeah. And like I said, not, not as horribly overproduced as some of the ones that came along during the actual junk wax era. Definitely. I was yeah. thinking of the 90, 91. The All Worlds, the 91 and 92. I think I think they're still actually printing those, if I'm not I, correct. I, I think along, with, along with 91 Donruss. <laughs> and 91 Max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the, those guys are taking, on, taking a break right now, but they'll be back printing. I've got, like, I, I got like 16 unopened boxes of 91 Max sitting on my unopened <laughs> shelf in there. I mean, they are... They are definitely the racing epitome of uh, of junk wax. Yeah, I have a I have an unopened case <laughs> that I bought back then and still have not opened it. Thirty. Well, you years. Lo- I'll say you lost money on that one. <laughs> I did. Oh, that's a whole long story right there. Uh, I mean, I, I, real quick, I'll tell you, we had a, a, a card shop here in town. So he told me he goes, "I've got uh, I can order cards directly from Max." I said, "Okay, great. I want to buy a case of ninety one Max." And he asked him, I said, how much is it? I forget how much it was. I gave him the money. Uh, time went by. Months went by. And it was like towards the end of the season. And I finally got my case from him. I, I don't think he ever ordered it. Uh, I think he just kind of held on to my money. So by the time that I got my case, the, the, the frenzy was over. So there wasn't anything I could do. I just held on to it and I still got it. Nice. You, got a, you, you, you got probably more value in the story than you do in the cards, but hey, yep, there's, for a sure. story, there's a story there. So my well, it's, card it's, it's a much longer story than that, but that's the gist of it. <laughs> I think it was my one of my card uh, guys, local card shops. He was saying you could, yeah, you can order a case, and uh, later on, I found out. I guess they were given Max was given terms, uh, letting everybody you know put on credit whatever they wanted to buy. So they would just print whatever they needed. So, so I was going to say something about those 91 max and then it led me to another question. So, um, I will say about those 91 max though, if people are trying to do graded, I mean, those are black border and blue border. So they're not always necessarily the easiest, but I have thought about this. Um, and all three of you probably can give me some different points of view on this. I know that, Val and Logan, you do PSA registries. You do a lot of grading on NASCAR cards. But I feel like that in general, grading is much less of a thing among NASCAR collectors than, you know, the stick and ball sports. Am I am I right or is it I'm just not looking the right places? No, you're right, man. Uh, you'd be surprised when you go to these races and the souvenir stands and, you know, they'll have, you know, die cast and they'll have racing cards that they've brought to every race that they go to to set up to try to sell cards are just beat up. People put these things in albums. They're beat up. I, I, you know, Val and I have talked about it many times. You know, we, we, we just see a lot of beat up cards and, you know, just, it just seems like a lot of them just don't get the love or the, you know, get taken care of the way that they should and a lot of people, I guess, just don't know about grading or don't care about grading, but you just don't see it much. I mean, Val and I are probably the two biggest uh, you know, racing 
you know, PSA guys on the registry. And maybe that guy I asked you both about <laughs> that's got some of the uh, old vintage sets on there, whoever the, that mystery man may be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, I think the grading of NASCAR trading cards, I think it's growing. Um, you know, I have definitely seen more on uh, eBay and some other other places, but it's definitely not as widespread as it is in baseball and the other sports, basketball, for example. Um, I, a lot, I think, of the NASCAR collectors are driver-specific. And then, because I do see them asking, hey, I have a one-on-one, should I get it graded? That, that's like a, one of the big questions. Most of them are like, well, it's a one-on-one, and why would you have it graded or whatever? So I don't think they get the set registry piece. The 1988 Max is what really drew me in to the PSA set registry. Uh, of course, that is a much, that is a larger task because that's a 100-card set. But then I quickly said, saw that like the 86 sports star photographics that's like a I don't know, 11 15 card set that was a lot easier to do than some of those larger sets and so the, you know the 72 stp 83 uno and, and some of those other insert sets a lot easier quicker to do than um the 88 max and then of course logan going after the 1989 max at 220 cards is a major daunting task so yeah and that more daunting that, now with prices too on top of everything else oh uh, yeah don't even get me started on the pricing right now i'm hoping that psa comes back and has some specials for their set registry members because you know these higher prices are going to cut out at least in my opinion they're going to cut out a lot of the the set builders and the the set registry collectors i agree let's I'll move over to our last segment the 2021 chronicles we had a chance to open up some packs blasters whatever we could get our hands on and take a look at the different cards subsets and um guys opinions jason well so i'm looking at i have one of each brand in front of me and so i have 15 different designs I would say probably half of them I'd like and the other half I dislike. And it's kind of like there's not a middle ground as far as options and designs. Um, it's kind of either like or don't. There's no like, yeah, it's whatever. Um, so 15 brands. I mean, that's a lot. I talk about Chronicles every year. I mean, I love it. Uh, for for what it is and fitting these brands in when they're not going to do, you know, a 200-card set. Um, but to me, it seemed like on some of these, there's a lot of repetition as far as the base brands and designs. Uh, but I will say in the two hobby boxes that I opened out of eight hits, I got six autographs. And normally... It's not like that. Normally, it's the other way around. It's two autographs and six relics. Um, so I was I was really impressed with that. Well, well 
as far as I'm concerned with, with Chronicles, there's actually, I, I was surprised when I went back and actually looked at the, at the checklist, you know, there's three other brands that are either memorabilia auto or, you know, patch only the cornerstone cards or memorabilia autos. Uh, the prime are the, the really nice patches. And then you have the status, which is also memorabilia slash swatches. They kind of look like the, the Chronicle memorabilia cards, except they're kind of reversed when where they put the memorabilia. So, you know, I, I didn't really realize that until I was actually doing a little digging and saw this and realized that those, those are memorabilia auto only brands in there. So it's the cornerstones, prime and status uh and those prime are tough um yeah i opened up golly six or seven hobby boxes and i got one it's a one of one it's a martin truex but they're uh they're tough to find i think uh val got got one as well didn't you val i did i got a daniel hemrick the certified or california clean power i guess it is pretty nice prime and it's a one-on-one yeah so so what i did i did a little bit deeper dive into the chronicles i i put together some criteria that uh that i wanted to you know judge these things by uh the criteria i used is first of all which cards have the most masked drivers and which ones have you know the least amount of max masked drivers in them uh, the front design, uh, the size of the number on the back is another criteria because when I'm sorting those things, I want to be able to see it. And there's some of them that are really good, and there's some that are not so good. Uh, also, the logos for each of the brands, the cardstock that was used, uh, and also looked at the checklist, you know, the strength of the checklist, you know, how many cup drivers, ARCA, truck, Xfinity guys are in there. And I rated all those things and uh, averaged it out, and it came back. And I would have to agree with this, that the Titan brand is probably the best looking cards and you know, has the best design and the fewest amount of masked drivers overall. So I like that set. And as far as my rating goes, Spectra came in second with gold standard and third. Now, on the other side of the scale, uh, dead last was score. And Jason, uh, I bet you probably have the same feelings about the scorecards in that. You know, it's weird because as you were talking, I'm, you know, looking at the designs again, and I, I completely agree with you. And we talked about it before we started. Titan is my number one. Um, Phoenix is actually my number two. Uh, I think Phoenix, when you have the color parallels, those colors pop so well off that card. Um, kind of like the crusade from last year. So cr crusade for me is probably third, um, score, like you said, is near the bottom, at least for me. Um, it's plain and I get it. It's score, but to a degree, there's so much empty space kind of where, you know, in other sports, there would be a team name or a league name or something it almost looks like it's that unlicensed, but in the aspect of not logos, but more of like empty space where it's like they don't have any other options as to how they want to fill it up. Uh, so I kind of thought that was a little weird. 
Um, but yeah, scores definitely at the bottom of the list for me. Yeah, uh, the other ones that I really didn't care a lot for were the it was absolute. I, mean, I thought it was okay, but it, that was second to the bottom. And then third to the bottom for me was select because select it's the same design. It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, So those are my top, top bottom three, if you want to call it that. That was interesting. I was curious or not curious, but so out of all the number of subsets, there's only five of them that are normal card star stock. I would say Uh, everything else seems to be thicker, uh, requiring either thicker top loaders or, you know, something. So that's the uh, Pinnacle, Chronicles, Absolute, Score, and Limited. Those were the, mm-hmm. the thin, normal card stock. Uh, the Titan I like, but a lot of color in there. But the driver photo is black and white. Right. Um, but you know, it's got some of that shiny and, um, that purple background, uh, or it's not necessarily purple, but different shades of purple, stuff like that. It is a, a pretty card. I like the Spectre, but I think the Spectre is just a, is a very thick card. The, you know, Zenith I liked it's but you know, it's got the, the old circle behind them with a little bit of a foil behind it. And they kind of jump off of the, the card there. And one that I also like was the XR. It's got big numbers on the back for old eyes. And, um, but then some of them like the contenders, a lot of silver, like you were saying with score, there's a lot of border there. Contenders yeah, seem to be that way. Unless you've got, you know, the blue or red parallels, which I, I was able to get. A few of each, and the gold standards, uh, nice as well. But you know, it's like a very thick stock for it. Yeah, you know, you're talking about the five base cards, uh, or, the, or excuse me, yeah, the five base cards that are have the thin stock. Uh, you've also got five that are foil, which are the gold standard, black, pedal to the metal, XR, and Zenith. And then you've got another five, which are chrome and or prism with, with spectra being just prism only, but the, those are contenders crusade select spectra and Titan. So it's, it, you can see that how they kind of broke it up. And then you've got two that are just like the optichrome only, which are the obsidian and Phoenix. They have, they have no prism in those. It's, so it's weird. I feel strange wanting more product every year. And then we get this and I feel like <laughs> on some aspects, we love it in some aspects we're tearing it apart. So I kind of have a little bit of a guilty conscience, but at <laughs> the same time, I mean, that's, you know, what we're here to do to a degree. So can I, can well, I, I jump mean, in with a question on these? Of course. Sure. I think this would be mostly down Jason's lane that he might be best able to answer this. So to pretty much the Chronicles, whatever you want to call them subsets that are in here, do they pretty much parallel the basketball and baseball ones? Like maybe, you know, listening, you know, you were kind of saying you were kind of eh on some of them. Maybe are they trying to force NASCAR into something that maybe it a design it doesn't need to be? I don't know to 100% answer, but for the most part, it's the same. That's what I thought. And I'm wondering if just because, you know, you guys aren't as big on some of them, 
you know, maybe it's just something that does work better with, you know, Panini's other licenses that just doesn't work as well with NASCAR for some reason because it is a it's a whole different ball game. I mean, I like, you know, they're trying like they included Pinnacle this year. It looks good, but you know, I guess I'm wanting that trophy foil version as well. So, you know, parallel, but uh, the parallel is just, you know, the, you know, like a purple foil and numbered as opposed to the silver foils, or whatever. So, well, like, so take select. I think that in football and basketball, there, you know, there are other like there are other licenses. Select is very popular, but it's very popular because it's rookie driven. It's almost a flip vester type deal. You know, you kind of get where I'm going with that because in that, when it's standalone, they've got the field level, concourse level, premium level, or whatever they are, is where, you know, it doesn't exactly roll the same with NASCAR. I'm just, as an outsider, I'm just kind of throwing the, throwing some something on the wall to see if it sticks. Well, I, I think you might have hit on something. So last year's Chronicles has Ty Gibbs in it, which is a big... He's in a lot of different sets um, last year. I think there's a couple other rookies. This year, there's some other rookies, but it's nothing, I guess, to the caliber. Uh, we touched on it the other show. I think Josh Berry is in this one, as well as a few other guys, uh, Sheldon Creed maybe. But there's no you know, phenom or, or bunch of rookies, I think, to drive it uh, right now. So... You know, we have Haley Deacon, and she's been in other stuff as well. Uh, Natalie Decker, uh, she might be the the newer one in this um, series. And then we touched on that, like, Ty Gibbs, he's only in the Spectre, I believe. And then he's got some swatches and type stuff. So it's a lot, I think, of the same drivers. And if you're a driver collector, I think somebody on the nuts was talking about, I think it was Scott, He's a big Tony Stewart guy that there's, I don't know, 80 or 100 different Tony Stewarts for him to chase in Chronicles this year. So that's quite a bit of cards. So, yeah, I'm wondering if maybe they take – so I'm just, you know, not that Panini is ever going to listen to anything that I say. But so take the ones that, you know, you guys kind of agree across the board you're not as big of a fan of. So score, for example. What if we tried to make that a 25 and then that's just all truck drivers? So it's different drivers inside of a, I, I don't know. I'm just, like I said, trying to, I do like how they put people from different series in here. It's not all cup, but it would be cool to maybe see some more truck drivers in there. I was shocked that David Starr does not have a trading card, a mainstream trading card. I know he's not you know, a huge name, but as somebody who hasn't really followed NASCAR in 15 years, I've known who he is. So he's doing something right. You know, what if like the top 25 or something were just in, they were just the score. And then you save the selects and the, whatever those top, those top tier ones are for the Haley Deegan's, Tony Stewart's, you know, whoever the other guys are just again, kind of throwing stuff on the wall. No, so I'm, I'm good. Well, so I'm looking, I'm researching a little bit as you guys are talking and going back to Ken's original question of are these similar to the other sports? And yes, they are, but they're somewhat different because, you know, obviously it's NASCAR. We do four or five releases a year. 
we're trying to squeeze as much as we can into this. However, football, they released the first, it's called Draft Picks Football, Chronicles Draft Picks Picks Football, excuse me. But it's essentially, you know, all college uniform stuff, and they've never done that before. So, to me, college sports is very similar to NASCAR in you like schools and drivers. You don't like, you know, player from here and player from there. Like, I'm I'm an Oregon fan. I don't like Oregon State. You know, I just kind of those rules that everybody lives by with NASCAR collecting kind of follow college sports. In my opinion, they have 12 brands in the draft picks and a couple of them. So I'll run through them real quick. Don Russ, Don Russ optic rated rookie flux legacy playbook, playoff prestige rookies and stars score select spectra and status. So probably, half of those in a regular football release get their own brand. So they're kind of following suit from the racing and the NASCAR Chronicles into the college sports um, and kind of doing not that kind of the test run, you know, we'll see what happens next year if they do it again, but um, trying to fit the popular brands, but also trying to fit the ones that are going to look different because if they did, 12 things that looked like select why would you even buy it you know you would just buy that one brand so i can see where and it was kind of funny that the three of us that opened it had differing opinions on which ones were our favorites our middles and our least favorites because to me that's exactly what chronicles is is you have score which is very basic but you have select which is chrome so it's kind of trying to please everybody a little bit at a time instead of trying to make everybody really happy. Well, you know, as a whole, I like Chronicles. I think it's, it's I great. Love it. I love all the different sets. Um, like I said, it's just some I like better than others. And going back to what Ken was saying about, you know, having specific series in, in specific uh, uh, subsets, I would love to see that because there's no, there's no all cup. When I was looking at the checklist early, earlier today, there's no all cup set in here. Uh, it would be cool if Titan was just all cup or, you know, like I said, score was all truck or and maybe do uh, limited or Chronicles is all Arca or something. I mean, I think that'd be cool. I mean, I don't know that they're going to listen. Like I said, they're going to listen to what we say, but right. as, as a collector, I think that'd be cool. So I'm I like a binder collector. Um, I like to put my stuff in binders. So obviously everybody knows there's nine, nine slots per page for me. I would love to see nine brands and each driver is in all nine brands. And then if you guys remember the way that I think it was flair, it used to be their card numbers were row and then seat number. Almost like if I wanted to do all the Don Russ cards, or not John Russ, that's a bad example, but all the select, I could put those 25 together. Or if I wanted to do it by drivers, it would be like the same order for every driver to where it was like, this is my Danica Patrick page. And then next page is number two and it's Jeff Gordon or, you know, whatever. Kind of that 
there's number one or number 24 on the back, depending on how you want to sort it out. But, you know, we're we're dreaming now. So well, I like that idea that, you know, I think all like insert sets or whatever should be divisible by nine. So, um, oh, I uh, totally agree. None of these 10 card insert sets. But I do like what Ken had mentioned about, um, you know, maybe some series specific sets because. Like in truck, Jennifer Joe Cobb, she does not have a card, or Norm Benning. Uh, some of these guys, uh, not all of the truck, uh, are, and like Logan had mentioned, the Arca, because Arca is now under, uh, I think, NASCAR as well. That, uh, and again, maybe it's a licensing thing, or maybe, you know, it's it's not like baseball where they have the Players Association, they're going to have to go out and uh, do a little extra work to get some of these, but yeah, I mean, Chronicles as a whole is, is awesome. Um, you know, the price point I think is, is awesome. You know, we didn't really talk about what the price point is when the, this had shot up to about, I guess it was two fifty, I think it was, but it has come back down uh, at the national. We start for like a hundred to one fifteen. I think, uh, I haven't checked the big three, but some of the other places you can get it for, I think like 125, which considering in this time right now is, is pretty good. Well, and you and if you're talking that, like I said, I've seen a few opened um, and I've seen some, I mean, and it seems like that uh, for that price, it seems like there is a lot of quality as far as numbered and relics and autographs coming out of that. Um, so yeah, for that price point, yeah, and going back to the thing I was just saying was like I was saying score. So say if you're gonna if you ask a focus group of a hundred people to rank the fifteen sets subsets or whatever, and you know that score is the bottom one, well maybe try the Arca or the trucks because then those people that are following those people they're not they're not going to care as much that oh it's just score they're just going to be excited that there's some cards out there for those guys. Um, you know, even those guys in cup that are probably in the, you know, 30 and lower that don't make some sets, those fans are just ha probably happy to have cards and all of those drivers have fans, mm -hmm. not maybe not as many as, you know, Keselowski or the Bush or any of those guys, but they've still got fans and they're just happy to see cards, their drivers. I, I would, I would imagine I was, I was that way when I was collecting Jeremy Mayfield's in the nineties. There were some sets he didn't get in because he didn't, you know, before he got to Penske, he didn't quite make the cut. Um, I was just happy to see him, and I wouldn't have cared if they were score or if they were upper deck SP. I was just happy to see him in something, and I had something more to chase. Yeah, and, you know, talking – and I know Val's going to like this idea. Why not have something like maybe use gold standard as the legends? Can you imagine having uh, Fireball Roberts or Wendell Scott in this i think that would be so cool yeah actually i had thought about that but uh did not say that but yeah the having a set for the legends to your point wendell scott fireball roberts rex white any of these guys um that have not been on a card in some time uh you know of course naturally richard petty um you know david pearson i don't know the last time david pearson was in a set and it might maybe it's contractual or maybe you know the, the guys at panini are or haven't thought about that they're working on the you know the rookies and, and the, the current guys and 
getting those guys in as opposed to you know some of the legends, whatever. So, well, but I think I know, it helps the sport having the legends. I know somebody near Panini that does have some you know racing knowledge. If if you know they need they need somebody. Gotcha. <laughs> you know that's one of the things about I love about NASCAR. There's a lot of lot of uh, still room to grow it and you know subjects for them to include again the chronicles was was nice and actually i don't know um i think we talked about this before that uh we found out the national that they're actually looking at maybe doing another product like chronicles um with some of the other different brands like certified i think absolute there's another one there that i'm not thinking of that they had produced but um Victory Lane. Cards. Yeah, Victory Lane as well. So it'd be interesting to see if they add another product and can, can throw uh, some more cards out there. And it'd be great, you know, again, to have some different subjects and stuff. So since we're dreaming a little bit, I don't, and I'm not trying to start an hour long conversation, but I don't understand why they are not doing more on demand sets like tops for Panini, uh, or for NASCAR, excuse me, because I know you want Panini Instant, and that's a whole different story, but all these things that other brands are doing, and they're printing 30 cards of so-and-so because they went to the NLCS, and it's like, you know, we could be using that paper for something else, you know, for another sport that really doesn't have a whole ton of stuff going on and that's one thing that's always kind of blown my mind is why there's not more on-demand sets or online only you know exclusives or something but um, i think in a way i think in a way you answered your own question though we're in a hobby boom right now what percentage of panini's profits come from nascar you know not trying to be that guy but, you know, they're going to focus on, as long as they can, they're going to focus on basketball and football. Now, if in three years we're where we were three years ago, I bet you NASCAR starts getting a lot more love. Yeah, but it's they're, that thing of Tops is making sets of cornhole competitors. <laughs> For the love of God, we can make some more NASCAR cards. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just there, you know, with what the, the, you know, they have the two biggest prospecting markets right now, in my opinion. And because it seems like football has really blown up as far as the prospecting aspect. Again, you know, I'm not into that kind of thing. So I'm not saying it's right. I'm just kind of playing an, an outsider's view a little bit. They're going to, that's probably where they just, I mean, they want to just focus their time, attention, and money, unfortunately. Yeah. But the good news is, and I just thought of this as, you know, somebody was saying something else. Good news is, how many years did y'all go without any cards? Was it a couple years, three years? So you're... None. How many was it? None. Panini did them the year after. Oh, okay. My 2015 error, was the... 2015, well, uh, Press Pass dropped the 2015 at the end of 2014. And then Panini came in at the summer of 2016. Okay. So there was, there was, a, okay. So I was right that there was at least a little bit of a gap there. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still doing good. You know, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't always say a lot of good things about Panini, but they are doing a lot of good things and you know, they're, they're putting some good product out there. So. 
Well, I was trying to find an answer to the reason why they are not putting out a Panini Instant Set. I think it, it's definitely they have missed that. I know they're working on that fighting, whatever you see. UFC. UFC. Uh, working on Panini Instant for that, as well as all the other ones. I don't know if they have the bandwidth, if they have the interest to do it. I know they're definitely missing out with some of the first-time winners this year. So we will see. Stay tuned on that. But I think they should definitely do at least a uh, playoff set and start with Panini Instant for the playoffs. You know, it would be awesome to have a Chase Elliott championship from last year as a uh, Panini Instant. So I know it's a lot of work for them because in the past they have to get approval for the driver, the team, the sponsorship. And I know, I think in 2017, there was one week there where uh, Kyle Larson, they didn't get that approved in time and there was no card. And then, of course, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Joey Logano had one of his wins, I don't want to say taken away or contested or whatever it was. And so they didn't produce a card that week either. But so it's a little more work for them, and I don't know um, if they want to take the risk, but the card market is nowhere near like it was in 2017 as it is now. So they had some very minuscule print runs back then uh, in the low 50s to the high 120, 130. So that is the window of the cards that they were producing and so they are super tough to find um super rare compared to some of this other stuff but uh, so i don't know you know i wish they would take another shot at it i think they would be surprised something that i was thinking about as you talked um i think everybody here knows who Suze is that used to work at tops and now works i believe for golden auctions i did see a tweet from her i want to say from last night um kind of responding to someone else but it does sound like that the facilities that do produce trading cards right now, I mean, there were they're overloaded right now. Like that, uh, may be the reason that some of the other stuff is getting pushed back. So, you know, may not be the complete answer, but it could be at least another possible answer. Now, one thing I want to say, and I believe it was Tracy who had mentioned that they actually like the Panini Instant because they actually print that. Uh, in-house, and they don't go to the printers. So I I got nothing then. (laughs) I'm just saying so. No, that makes sense. Yeah, now I'm really at a loss. I mean, you know, basically you're printing money at that point is what you're doing. And I don't think either they have the bandwidth at Panini or the interest to do it. Or yes. (laughs) Either one. Yep. It's one of those two. Uh, Because to see the F1 stuff blow up the way it has and how the tops now Hamilton card number three or whatever it is going for a few thousand dollars with a print run of almost 2000. It blows my mind when, um, you know, Martin Truex championship, I think was printed to 61 or Ryan Blaney's first win was printed to 89. 
So just an, just another thing because I, I just keep running my running my mouth. But um, we had talked in uh, chat before about how I have a little bit of an idea about licensing in racing against the stick and ball sports. So it could be like you said, you were talking about, you know, you have to get approval from the driver. You have to get approval from the team. You have to get approval from the sponsor. Um, and when I worked in an industry where I had to work with those teams, those approvals did not always come as swiftly as it was needed. So you may be onto something completely there and to the point where they're just like, it's not effing worth all the time and trouble we're truly putting in to print out 55 cards when I'm having to chase around four different people that won't reply to my email. So could be another thing that, uh, another possibility. Definitely. Well, guys, I guess uh, we can leave it there for tonight. Unless there's any uh, final thoughts. Oh, I had a good time. I can say that. Well, can I appreciate you uh, joining us tonight, today? Where can people uh, find you? All right. So uh, I did actually write this down, hoping you'd give me the chance. So I do want to say that on Mondays, I do a one-hour live stream with my friend Herman on his YouTube channel. It's 3B Collections. 3B Collection, no S. So hopefully y'all will uh, take a look at his channel, subscribe, even if you can't catch us live, watch the replay. We do really try to interact with the people in chat. Um so would love to have more people. Of course, the more we get, the less we can interact. But it is what it is. Um, on places like YouTube, Trading Card Database, Net54, Instagram, I'm just Beans Ball Card Blog, one word. And then over on the Twitter, I'm Beans B Card Blog. Yeah, check out the show with him and Herman. It's pretty good. Just guys, yeah. just kind of like we did, just chatting and talking about cards. That's really, it's really what it is. It's it's not anything highly produced. Uh, we're not even trying to be informational. We're just talking about cards. And then we need to have you back about t- and talking about the trading card database because I think you trade on there as well, right? I'm actually getting definitely getting back into it. I started posting some stuff last week for trade. Um, I've got a lot more to go, and I don't even really have much in the way of want lists. But, yeah, it's uh, I love it. And for the people that like – I do see a lot of people talk about it's hard to find places that's mostly collectors instead of the the flip vesters but that's the one place i found that's most heavily collectors they're just people that love cards love trading cards and all of that cool we'll have to have you back and talk about that sounds good and then from jason logan no you can just find me at king nascar just about anywhere just look me up all right well jason Nope, nothing for me. Uh, I'm happy that we got to talk about Chronicles because we say it all the time. That's one of my favorites, and I always like to be part of those conversations. So, yeah, I think it was very good. Uh, hopefully, all the listeners got some value out of today's show. Appreciate everybody listening. Please like, share the podcast, share NASCAR trading cards with your friends, and from me and the guys, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening.